Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, as always, I'm your host, Evan Say. We're joined by our weekly guest, George Berman, the Herald Bulletin. How are you doing today, George? Good. How are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate the time, as always, George. And we're coming to you guys after a surprising loss uh, on Sunday. Now it's recording here on Tuesday morning. 31-24 is the final score. The Colts lost to the Open Raiders, dropping a 2-2 two and two on the season. Was that the most surprising loss to you? Even though they were, of course, down T.Y. Hill, and they down Darius Leonard, and Malik, Malik Hooker, arguably three of their five best players, George. I feel like even with those guys out, this is probably one of the more supply, surprising losses of the Ballard era so far in the right era. Yeah, I think so. I think, to me, it's comparable to the Jets game last year, just in terms of just watching a, a really almost a complete defensive meltdown, especially early in that game. And then – them just really not having the response on offense when they needed it. I mean, you can take some positives away here and there, but for the most part, uh, it was really just this one in the Jets game that I can think of as being probably the two worst games all around that they played under Frank Wright. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a good look on Sunday for the Colts. They were down 14 nothing. I, I want to get your sense from being uh, talking to the guys in the locker room afterwards, George, and just the atmosphere in the stadium. It feels like the Colts were kind of shell-shocked there when they got down 14 nothing so fast. Yeah, you know, I think that obviously they didn't expect to see that happen. And, but I don't think the Raiders did anything that, that they weren't anticipating. It was just missed assignments, missed tackles, people not being in the right place at the right time. I mean, you take the 60-yard the touchdown run, for example, Ben Banigou's a rookie. He's out there on the edge, and he doesn't set the edge, and he doesn't stay where he's supposed to. He gets sucked in, and, and there's a wide-open lane. And, you know, it was sort of something like that on every play. That one's a little more obvious than most because it happened right out in the open field where the ball was. Uh, but I, I think that was that was the sense in the locker room was that, you know, everything they did is correctable. It's just a matter of guys being in the right place at the right time and making the play when it comes to them. And on Sunday, that wasn't happening all across the field, all across the roster. I mean, there were guys – in every phase. They even muffed a punt at one point. They got it back, but, you know, it, you just saw breakdowns in all three phases that you, against anybody in the NFL, you can't make that many mistakes and come away with a win. And it also seems like this, George, just what's your opinion on the defense so far? We saw it again last week against Atlanta and then again this week against Oakland. Just if you have an average to above average quarterback or an elite quarterback at that, which you're going to see on Sunday against Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, you're going to slice through this defense led by Matty Rufus' zone-heavy scheme. Do you feel like it's time to see some change here as far as the scheme goes? Because it, it personally is really like George that offenses are really starting to figure this defensive scheme out. Yeah, you know, I, I don't put as much on the scheme as some of Dallas runs the same scheme and have these problems. So I think they just need to, to tweak some things that they're doing within it. They've got to, first of all, they got to get the quarterback. And that's been the biggest problem the last few weeks. A lot of that has to do with, like you said, the caliber of quarterback they're playing. They get rid of the ball a lot faster. Uh, you know, they're, they're a lot more aware of where the holes are in the zone. And so they're not thinking and, and holding on to it longer. And they're attacking, you know, really from the get-go. And so they've got to do one of two things. They've either got to start blitzing a little more. Uh, and find a way to get pressure on the quarterback because that has simply not happened at all in the last two weeks, or they've got to play tighter coverage. And you can stay in your zone and still stick the receivers better than they are. You don't have to give a five-yard cushion uh, you know, on third down the way that they were almost the entire day. So they got to do one of the two. You know, either they've got to switch up a little bit of what they're doing. In, in the, and they did play some man coverages. You know, they played more man this year than they did last year. 
But again, when they do, there's not execution. So it's got to be all three of those things. You've got to tweak the, the, the scheme and, and the coverages a little bit, get tighter on the guys because if they're getting rid of the ball quicker, obviously get up there, be physical with receivers and have somebody there when the ball comes out. Uh, maybe blitz more, find some way to get more, more pressure on the quarterback, and then the, the players simply have to execute better. Yeah, doesn't it seem a little weird, George? I mean, obviously, just it's week by week, and the NFL is just so variant with how the games play. But you had such a good start to the pass rush first two weeks of the season with eight sacks. In the last two weeks, you have, I believe, one or zero in that category. It just seems like that's just a stark contrast to where they start off the season. I don't know if it's any injuries. I know Teray's back, and Shear got back for his first game on Sunday. But it just seems like the pass rush isn't getting home like they were the first two weeks. Yeah, it is. It's it's probably the the weirdest thing that's gone on in these last two weeks because the first two weeks they were all over opposing quarterbacks, and the last two weeks you got one sack Sunday, and that was Anthony Walker. It was sort of like a broken play, and it, it doesn't really, you know, wasn't really what you're thinking of when when you're looking for sacks. Uh, they they've just got to find a way to win their one on one battles up front, which is not happening. And if that's going to continue to not happen, then yeah, you've got to find a way to to send some guys on a blitz, especially on third down. I just felt like the last two weeks, now the numbers weren't as bad uh, with the Raiders because the second half they did a better job on third down. But the last two weeks, it felt like the, the offense was way too comfortable on third down. The quarterback wasn't, wasn't panicked at all because he wasn't under pressure. The receivers didn't feel like they had to fight to get open. Uh, it just seemed like, you know, for the most part, the Falcons and Raiders were playing pitch and catch on third down, and you got to do something to to disrupt that or it's going to happen all year. I mean, that's the one thing about the NFL is the other teams watch this on tape, and then they're going to do it to you too. Until you prove you can stop it, it's going to keep happening to you every week. Speaking of that thought, George, I feel like the rushing defense for this team has really, really taken a step back this year. We saw last year no team had at least a 100-yard rusher, and then we see – Josh Jacobs and the Raiders get 188 yards on them. Then we also see Austin Eckler go off week one. Derrick Henry's always a good running back. Then you also see week three, Devontae, Deontay Freeman, it kind of a, a guy who is falling off, so to say. And then all of a sudden he has a really good week against the Colts defense again. So it feels like this rushing defense, we saw, I think, Grover Stewart take the place of Marcus Hunt, who might have been benched. I don't know if you have any more information on that, George. But it seems like this is kind of a, a theme so far. The run defense is taking a huge step back as far as regression goes. Yeah, I don't have any information yet on Hunt. I'm, hopefully we'll learn a little more about that as the week goes on. But, yeah, definitely we saw more Grover Stewart as that game went on. And I don't know if that was health-related, if it was rotation, or or if it was, you know, performance-related. But they definitely have not gotten from the middle of that offensive defensive line what they expected to, uh, both in terms of pass rush and, you know, clogging up running lanes. The, the, the middle of that defensive line was supposed to be a strength this year. Uh, look good in training camp and it just hasn't translated to the field and that's you know they're not the only reason the run game hasn't hasn't been good uh, Bobby Okariki the last two weeks has really struggled uh, without Darius Leonard in there and Anthony Walker going over to the weak side you've seen a lot of, of mistakes from him and that's helped open up some of those runs uh, obviously getting sheared back will eventually probably help I thought he made a couple plays even on Sunday, that as bad as the run defense was, it could have been even worse if not for a couple of plays he made out there on his spot. But they're just not getting a push, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing. It, when you look at that defensive line coming into the year, you felt like they had a chance to be physical, to win games up front, and they haven't done that. 
They've been pushed off the ball more often than not. They're not getting in the backfield and making plays either in the run game or the passing game. And it's that's, you know, to me, when you look at the defense right now, yes, the scheme has issues, and yes, there, there's things that need to be addressed there, but you can't point to one area of the defense right now that's playing up to expectations, and that's part of the problem. They're simply not doing what they're supposed to do. The defensive line has been subpar. The linebackers have been subpar. The secondary has been subpar. And then you throw injuries on top of that, and you end up with the performances that we've seen the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it certainly has been pretty, George. Just the Colts defense are allowing 25.5 points per game through the first four weeks. When is it time to start talking? I know I've heard some people mention this already, which I think is a little overreaction is due to what's happened so far. But if this continues for the next couple of weeks, George, you have Mahomes and you have Deshaun Watson coming to town. Then you also have a couple more games on the slate against some good quarterbacks. If this Colts defense continues to get abused as far as just like passing defense goes and running defense, so to say, uh, is it time to really start talking about Matt Eberflus and his seat kind of being hot here if this continues for a little bit? Yeah, I think it's going to take more than a few weeks to do that. I mean, last year we were talking about this guy as a potential head coaching candidate because of the way they finished the season. So I think it's, it's way too early to start calling for his job. And I think it's going to take a while to get to a point where, where that's the case. But, yeah, you know, I mean, there's going to be – I'm sure they're looking at everything they can right now to, as far as how to get this fixed because, obviously, on Sunday you've got the biggest test in the NFL when it comes to your defense. Uh, when you face the Kansas City Chiefs. So it, there's never a good time to be playing poorly on defense. This is probably the absolute worst time for it. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think it's good for them that the, the bye week is early this year. They, they're obviously banged up. You should be able to get healthy on that bye week. And then you're going to be able to sit down and take a good, long self-evaluation uh, and try to figure out what you need to do in the final, what, it'll be 11 games at that point of the regular season to get this turned around, it really wasn't that much different early last year. I think people tend to forget because of how they finished the year. There were some really rough defensive uh, games early last year. and The Jets my game, of course, comes to mind. But there were a few others where, uh, you know, Cincinnati, they, they were really pretty awful on defense to open the year. Uh, they didn't play very well at all against New England, uh, which was game with a lot of injuries but you know still defense didn't look very good against them at all uh against the the texans the first time around they really didn't have much answer after about the first or second quarter so we've seen this before and i think that's one thing that it's disappointing because you kind of go into this year saying the way they finished last year they should be able to build off that the defense will just get better as they go and that's not happened they, they kind of started back to square one uh, where they were last year, and I don't know if that's injuries or if it's, you know, just new pieces not quite fitting in the way they wanted to right away or what have you. But at this point, I give Eberflus the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be able to turn things around the way he did a year ago. Yeah, they are missing as well Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker. Hooker's going to be out here for the next four to six weeks. But I feel like one positive on this Colts defense so far, George, if there's a rookie of the year, so to say, in the first quarter of the season, I think it has to be Kari Willis, the way he's played so far. Do you feel like once Hooker's back in the next month or so, it's going to be Hooker and Willis from here on out as the safety combo? I think there's a good chance of that. I mean, Willis was already closing in on, on, you know, taking a starting job even before Hooker got hurt. Now he goes out there and he has a chance to show for a month or so uh, what he can do. And, and I think, yeah, he's closing that gap between him and, and Clayton Gathers a little bit every day. So 
I think you're going to see a real possibility of him at least getting more snaps. Uh, but even from the, the injury standpoint, even Pierre Desir, he's only playing about half the time that, that he normally would. I mean, if you look at the rotation on Sunday, Rocky Sin was really your starter. And Desir was coming in, in the nickel packages. It was sort of the reverse of what you normally see, where Desir's out there all the time and Yassin comes in when they, they go to a sub package. Uh, because they're trying to nurse his hamstring and, and the other things that, that have, have gotten him dinged up. So that secondary is going to be a big question. And I think well, is is part of the answer. Uh, but if, if Clayton Gathers can't go Sunday, and who knows? I mean, we've seen the concussion protocol and, and how that plays out. If he can't go Sunday, uh, it could be a, almost a train wreck back there in the secondary against the Chiefs. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come right to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order, $15 or more, when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get started over at DoorDash. Hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-wing touchdowns and two-minute drives, running backs reach down the signs with no one to stop them. There's nothing else quite like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My book has got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. And don't forget, where you're betting is just who's important is who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play, and it's where you should too. I won't be telling you guys to say if they weren't already the best, so you do the smart thing and bet with them this football season. Because if you're the kind of guy that likes to win a lot and and really actually make a lot more money than you expect to, try parlay. If all your picks come through, then multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on and visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. Yeah, it could certainly get ugly because we see a guy in Patrick Mahomes who's going to throw for me 6,000 yards here for the first time in NFL history. He's on pace for that at least, which would be an absolutely crazy statistical season for him. But before we go on to that Chiefs game, George, I just want to hear your final thoughts on the Raiders game here. Just how big of a loss is this for the Colts? Because I feel like this is a game like the Jets game last year where we're going to look back on in about a month or two and say, how did they lose that game? And it could be a really big one as far as the, the, the playoff chase goes in December. Yeah, it's big. I, I think going into the week, Frank Reich had mentioned it's it's a conference game, which obviously has tie-breaking, you know, potential down down the road. It's it's a home game, and it's one that you kind of circle on the schedule as a win. You know, you don't – those are the ones you really – playoff teams don't lose games like this. Now, obviously, the Colts did last year and survived it. It was a road game, but it was still a game they should have won against the Jets. Uh, and, and they could survive it again. It's not the end of the season by any stretch of the imagination. But it's one of those games, like you said, that you're going to end up looking back on a week from now, a month from now, two months from now, and scratching your head about what was that team that showed up that day. And sure, there were injuries, and, and there's a lot of other kind of uh, peripheral things that happened that, that, that played into that. But it's no excuse. It's the NFL, and no one feels sorry for you. No one's going to take it easy on you because of what's going on. Whatever adversity you face, you've got to go out there and play. And I thought as bad as the defense played, I'm not letting them off the hook at all because they were awful, especially in the first quarter and, and probably the first half of the second quarter. Uh, but even as bad as, as they were, the offense had four possessions through the second quarter and started the third quarter where it was either 21 to 7 or 21 to 10 during that entire stretch. They end up with three points on those four possessions despite being in Oakland territory three times. You can't do that. You know, that was a chance to get back in the game and change the whole way the second half plays out. 
So it was all three phases. I think that's the important thing. Yes, the defense deserves all the criticism it's gotten, and, and they have a, a, a multitude of problems they have to solve on that side of the ball. But let's not let the, the offense off the hook either. Actually, I have one more question for you, George, as far as the Raiders game goes. And one player that I specifically want to talk about here is Eric Ebron because we didn't bring him up on yesterday's show. And I want to get your opinion on him because it seemed like that was the first game on Sunday. Three drops. I believe it might have been four as well. There's one late that he might have dropped as well. It's one of those games, the first really true game we've seen, George, as far as the Detroit version of Eric Ebron that showed up. And how big of a stretch do you think this next month or so is mentally for him because he wants to be a top five paid tight end. And if he, if he plays like this more often, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. This is a huge year for him. It's contract year. You want to go out and, and show everybody that last year wasn't a fluke and, and this is the guy they're going to get, you know, whether it's Indianapolis or whoever it might be that, that ends up giving him that kind of contract. Uh, you got to go out and earn it. We've seen it before. Dante Moncrief had some serious struggles in a contract year. And, you know, these are, these are things that kind of stall your career if you're not careful. I think for, for Ebron, I really feel like it's the first time when he was in an Indianapolis uniform where he put the kind of pressure on himself that he did in Detroit. If you go back to his Lions career and you, you think about being the number 10 overall pick and the guys that he was drafted in front of, Aaron, Aaron Donald, OBJ, you know, that was haunting him his entire time in Detroit. And I think he put a lot of pressure on himself to live up to that billing. I feel like with T.Y. out on Sunday, it was really the first time since he's been a Colt that he felt like he had to go out and make plays and be a leader for this offense. And I think that's I, I think that's what you saw. So I think for him, it's really just getting back into that mindset he's been in before, that this team has a lot of options. There's a lot of different ways they can win a game, and it's not all on his shoulders. He's just a part of, you know, a spoke in the wheel. He doesn't have to be the, the entire leader of the team. That's a good point, Bram, there, George, because I think that's you hit the nail on the head there as far as probably what was happening there with Eric Ebron. It's going to be a big stretch of moving forward here because if he keeps having some drop balls here, it might be a different story come March or April for his next NFL team. Maybe it's the Colts, maybe it's not. But let's move on here to our next next outing here, George, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. The Colts open as 9.5-point underdogs. The over-under, I believe, is 56.5. So the, Vegas is expecting a shootout here and a blowout win for the Chiefs. Do you expect the same? Yeah, you know, from what we've got right now to go on, I don't know how you don't. You know, I mean, the NFL's crazy. We see that every week. No one expected the Raiders to come in and jump all over the Colts and, and win that game the way they did. And no one expected Tampa Bay to go into L.A. and win that game. So, you know that the, uh, the unpredictable is always possible in the NFL. But with the evidence that we have so far, uh, I don't know how you feel anything other than it's going to be a huge offensive game for Kansas City, and the Colts are going to struggle to keep up with that pace. What's your opinion of Patrick Mahomes, George? Do you feel like – I mean, you've seen a lot of quarterbacks. You've covered Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Do you feel like Mahomes is one of the more physically talented quarterbacks we've seen? I think he's the most unique quarterback that I've seen. And, and that's – you know, I, I saw it on TV, and, and I, obviously you're impressed watching what he did all throughout the year last year, but to be out there for that playoff game last year and watch him live, there's just things that happen that, that don't physically seem possible. There's no other way to put it. I mean, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, the pile's converging and, and you think it's a sack, and all of a sudden he's not just out the other end and running for 10 or 15 yards. You've seen that before. That's dangerous enough. He's out the other end and not setting his feet, and throwing across his body across the field for 50, 60 yards, and it's a touchdown, it's, 
it's almost uh, the closest that I can come to is, is Brett Favre in terms of throwing from crazy, you know, contortions and, 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 and making plays, keeping plays alive. But he's better than, than Favre in the sense that he doesn't – there's not as much risk with him. He's not throwing the ball up for grabs. Somehow he's throwing a ball 70 yards across his body down the field, and it's accurate. I don't, that, to me, is what's incredible about this guy. You know, he, he does all these things that, that you're not supposed to do, and yet he's still one of the most accurate, efficient quarterbacks in the NFL on top of it. So – uh, he's he's an amazing, unique individual, and and I don't know if we've ever seen anyone like him. Yeah, he's certainly going to get paid like the top quarterback. He's on pace to make two hundred million dollars on on his next contract per Adam Schefter, which is just a crazy figure to talk about nowadays. But what are your three keys to the game on Sunday here, George? I think I'm on the same boat as you, expecting a, a big win for Kansas City and blow off fashion. But if the Colts don't keep this close, maybe pull off the stunner on Sunday Night Football. What do they have to do? Yeah, for one thing, they've got to stick with receivers. This is, this is a game where Mahomes will run around for two minutes if you let him, and those receivers will stay with it. They know, you know, they know they'll be rewarded. If they keep working, uh, they're probably going to end up with a touchdown catch. So you've got to make sure that, that no play's over. You know, this is one of those scramble drill kind of games where you've got to stick to your guy like glue the entire game because if you let him go, Mahomes will find him. It will be a big play, and, and it will put you behind the eight ball. I, I would say, you know, you got to get pressure on him, and that, that's obvious for every week. But I think it's even more imperative here. I don't know if the ankle is still a factor for him or not. I know he's, he's made more plays from the pocket this year uh, just because of necessity. He got rolled – the ankle got rolled on during the Jacksonville game in the opener. And, you know, I don't know if that's still an issue for him or not, but you want to test that. You want to you try to get as much pressure on him as you can. And, and try to – but, you know, the thing about that is when you get there, get him on the ground. Because just chasing him around, as, as we talked about earlier, won't, won't be effective. It won't do anything for you. He'll still make a big play, and, and you'll still end up, uh, you know, being behind on the scoreboard. So you got to make sure that, that you're rushing with discipline and that you're getting him on the ground when you get there. And then I think offensively, you've got to be hyper-efficient. You know, it's long scoring drives would be the best option. You know, sort of what they were able to do against Atlanta in the first half, going down the field, taking, you know, six, seven, eight, nine minutes off the clock and then getting in the end zone because kicking field goals is not going to be the way to beat Kansas City either. So I think if the Colts have any chance, you, you've got to limit the big plays the best that you can, whatever that looks like, whatever that amounts to. Get a turnover or two if you can. They, they were able to do that. I think they got a fumble. Uh, recovery in the game in January. So, you know, maybe they can get a turnover or two. And then on offense, be efficient. You can't afford to give the ball away. You can't really afford to be punting. You know, I mean, you're going to have to go down the field, take chunks at a time, and control that clock and score touchdowns. So it's a big challenge on Sunday for sure. If you had to give a score, George, I'm going to go 34-24. I think it's going to be maybe a garbage time touchdown at the end for the Colts here. I just don't think that they're going to keep it that close against Kansas City in a primetime atmosphere. But what say you? I say somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe 41 to 20, something like that. I mean, Kansas City's going to score. We know that. We've seen that. Uh, there's there's plenty of evidence over that over the last two seasons here. And I think to go into the game thinking anything else is naive. The big question for me. We, we haven't seen yet can Jacoby Brissett get in that true kind of shootout back and forth game. 
and keep the Colts in it. You know, they haven't really had to do that uh, because obviously Oakland doesn't really count in that because of how quickly they, they got out in front. Uh, but can he get into one of those, you know, who's going to have the ball last type of games and win it? Uh, I think that's the only way the Colts find a way in this one. Before I let you go here, George, the AFC South is tied at two and two. All four teams are. Who do you think the most dangerous team is to the Colts right now? Because everyone's tied for first, of course, right now. But I don't really trust Tennessee and Mariota. But Gardner Minshew looks really good for Jacksonville right now. And you add in Houston with Deshaun Watson. That's going to be that, that week seven game after the bye against the Texans set up to be a really big one, George. Yeah, that game with the Texans coming up out of the bye is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. It's at home, and obviously it's it's one of the top teams in the division. I, I feel like Houston is the most dangerous uh, of, the, of the rest of the teams simply because they've been there before. They're defending division champions. They got J.J. Watt. They got Deshaun Watson. They got DeAndre Hopkins. You know, all the pieces are there for Houston to be a very good football team. Uh, so I feel like they're the most dangerous of that group. But I think Jacksonville, definitely Minshew can continue to play the way he has and give that team a lift on offense. And you know what they're capable of doing defensively. The only thing I worry about with, with Jacksonville is, you know, how much of a distraction does Jalen Ramsey become eventually for that team? That, that's what they've got to be concerned with. Yeah, this, this AFC divisional, divisional battle is going to be pretty fun to follow along with throughout the season. I think it's going to be kind of at the very end here. What do you say as far as the division winner in this goes, George? Maybe nine wins at, at most, ten tops? Like I can't, This looks like an eight and eight, nine and seven kind of division. Yeah, it really does. It looks like – I think I picked nine and seven at the beginning of the year to, to win the division, and, and I still would stick with that. I mean, there's a lot of games uh, out there that, that are tough for this division. I mean, just because of the matchups they've got, in cross-divisional games, playing the, the NFC South, you know, a lot of big games there. Playing the AFC West, there's some big games there. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough year for, for anybody to really pull away and be like an 11-12 win team. I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, and so I think it's going to be a tight division all, all the way. And that's why that Houston game becomes even more important. You, you obviously want to win all your division home games. If the Colts can find a way to get that one, uh, they'll be at 500 at worst at that point. They'll be 2-0 and in the division, and you start to feel a little bit better about where they're at. If you lose it, you're probably going to be two games under 500 and staring up at, at the Texans in the division with them holding the tiebreaker. So it, it's a very critical game after the bye. Yeah, that's for sure. It's going to be fun to follow this team over the next couple of weeks. You can follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. Read his work over on the Herald Bulletin as well. Appreciate the time, George. Talk again next week. No problem. Thanks a lot, Evan.